0: A few weeks ago, our family headed up north to my in-law's farm for Christmas, and it was the coldest day maybe of the year. It was minus 30s the whole way, minus 50 with the wind chill. And so when we pulled into Battleford and into the co-op gas station there, I got out of the van and it was so cold, it just took my breath away. And after I paid for the gas, the gas attendant said, "Uh, how did your car start this morning? Have any problems, it's so cold. And I told him, no, our van was in the garage, started fine, no problem. So I walked back to the van thankful for a reliable vehicle, sat down with my family, put my foot on the brake, pressed the button, nothing happened. Tried again, nothing, again and again. Are you kidding me? (laughs) The gas attendant recognized what was going on, tapped on the window. You need some help? Yeah, we do. He said, no problem. This has happened a few times today. He went into the uh, gas station, got a boost pack, came out with two more guys, and they got the whole thing uh, set up and tried to boost it but nothing happened everything they did would not work so we decided to call our friends at the dealership here, the Honda dealership in Swift Current, our van's a Honda, and ask them, do you guys have any suggestions? What might be the problem? And they brainstormed. Well, these other guys were standing out in the bitter cold thinking about how they could help us and what they could do. And after some brainstorming, nothing seemed to work. So the whole family, we went into the gas station and I asked the manager uh, about calling a tow truck. And he right away was so friendly and kind. He was so concerned for us. He said, oh, let me think now. They're i busy today, this is probably your best bet, this is the best uh company, call them. So I call them, and uh, the lady on the phone was so nice, and she said, yeah, we can get someone there right away. Just hold tight. He'll be there shortly. And as we waited, the manager, he was so concerned for our kids, he brought them a bunch of chocolates, and uh, is there anything else I can do to help? I wish we could do something more. Uh, In the meantime, Colleen called her cousin, who uh, works for a dealership in North Battleford, and he just happened to be around, said, yeah, I can come right away. Uh, I'll pick up the kids so Jay can go with the tow." truck and I'll call the dealership, I'll call the garage, I'll tell them right away, uh, you got to get my cousin and their vehicle in here so they can get back on the road. And shortly they were there, the tow truck was there. Uh, The tow truck driver too was not what I expected. For some reason I thought it would be someone who'd be, you know, oh boy, another car. But no, he was so nice and so friendly. Uh, We chatted the whole way there and uh, he said, you know, It may just be that your starter is cold or there's some condensation. Ah, I wish I could just pull your vehicle to our garage and let it warm up in there and it wouldn't cost you anything, but I don't think that would work and so nice. Uh, We got to the dealership and again, not surprisingly, everyone there just went above and beyond in friendliness and concern. Uh, They got the van right away getting looked at. And in the meantime, uh, they put on a movie. They gave our kids some hockey sticks so that they could play hockey in the dealership. Uh, they also searched for the dealership cat, but they couldn't find it. It was a little bit scared, I guess, with all the noise. And uh, they gave us the boardroom to have pizza there as well. And within 30 minutes, they had the van running. It was the battery, totally dead. And uh, we were so thankful. Uh, we said farewell and we're on our way, completely overwhelmed by the kindness of so many people on that day. In fact, we were so touched by it that I decided right then I have to preach about this. I have to share our experience of kindness, but more importantly, I have to have us just consider what the scriptures say about being kind, because it can make such a massive difference in people's lives. And so that's what we're going to do this morning, and we're going to look at the passage we just read, Ephesians 4, 32, where the Apostle Paul tells the Christians in Ephesus and Christians everywhere to simply be kind to one and other. A simple, straightforward instruction that certainly we can all understand, but I think it would be worth taking a little bit of time to walk through this brief text and explore this topic of kindness a little more deeply. And so let's do that now together. And I just want us to first of all consider uh, the contrast of kindness that is being set up here in this verse. In verse 31, Paul listed six vices, bitterness, wrath, anger, clamor, slander, and malice, all of which, he says, were common among the Gentiles, those who did not know God, whom Paul said earlier in verse 17 and 18, walk in the futility of their minds and are morally darkened. But now in verse 32, he goes on to list three virtues, being kind, as well as tender-hearted and forgiving, all of which should be commonplace among Christians, in sharp contrast to the world. In fact, the verse actually begins. we don 't see it here in the ESV, but there 's a Greek word of contrast that begins here, and the New Living translation puts it as "instead." So so instead of living like unbelievers often do, instead of living that old, ugly, sinful life that you used to uh, have in your life, instead of being, you know, easily annoyed and angry and antagonistic as you were before you knew Christ, Paul tells the Ephesian believers instead of that, be kind to one another. And it's the same thing he told the Colossian believers in Colossians 3, 8 to 13. He says, but now you must put them all away. Anger, wrath, malice, slander, and obscene talk from your mouth. And later on he says, instead, put on then, as God's chosen ones, holy and beloved, compassionate hearts, kindness. As Christians, then we should stand out in this world because of our kindness, kindness. Because we operate in complete contrast to the way that the world so often operates. Because there's this complete contrast in our lives to the bitterness and wrath and anger and clamor and slander and malice that is so commonplace. People should see something different in us. And one of those things they should see is a unique kindness that they would then want for themselves. When a soldier was once wounded in battle, the army chaplain came to his side and never left him. Despite the danger, he looked after him all day and all night, sharing his meager food with him, covering the man with his cloak throughout the bitter cold night. The next day when the medics arrived, the wounded man looked at the chaplain and said, now you're a Christian chaplain, aren't you? Yes, he responded with a smile. Well then, the wounded man went on, if Christianity makes a man do to others what you have just done for me, please tell me about it because I want that too. That's the the contrast of kindness that should make us stand out in what is so often an unkind world. But then secondly, let's also consider the continuation of kindness that we see here in our text. Notice Paul tells the, uh, the Christians in Ephesus to be kind. In other words, kindness should be a part of who they are and likewise should be a natural part of who we are. To use that image we saw earlier in Colossians 3.12, we should put on kindness, like new clothes that, again, identify us as Christians, as God's chosen ones, holy and beloved. Put another way, kindness should be a newly embraced lifestyle for us as believers, and increasingly so In fact, the Greek grammar indicates that this is a a continual progression over time. We should become, we shouldn't just be kind, but we should become more and more kind as new opportunities for kindness show themselves. Like Ruth in the Old Testament, who demonstrated continued kindness to her mother-in-law, Naomi, as their circumstances changed. And as Boaz, who compliments her in Ruth 3.10 says, you have made this last kindness greater than the first. Or like the Apostle Paul, who is very kind, but in 2 Corinthians 6.5.6, we see that he kept showing his kindness even while enduring beatings, imprisonments, riots, labors, sleepless nights, and hunger. In the same way, we have new occasions every day to grow in kindness. New circumstances come our way, often trying to show greater graciousness and gentleness and generosity to others. That is, if we have eyes to see those new opportunities that come before us, if we can recognize the chances we are given every day to go above and beyond what we've done before, to show a new degree of goodwill to others. It's said that a wealthy man once ran up to Francis of Assisi and shouted, that man over there, he sold my boots, to which Francis responded, quick, run after him and give him your socks. New opportunities to go above and beyond in our kindness. That's the continuation of kindness that Paul is calling for here in this passage. It should increasingly be part of our lifestyle. But there's still more to consider in these few words here, and particularly now the the character of kindness. You know, I'm sure we all know what kindness looks like. We have hopefully experienced kindness before, but we may not have ever thought about what kindness actually is, the character of kindness. Uh, You know, we can easily detect it when someone is kind to us, but we maybe aren't sure how exactly to define what it means. Well, simply put, to be kind is to be good, pleasant, agreeable, helpful, benevolent. It means to have a sweet, friendly, caring nature that makes one easy to be around and that manifests itself in in graciously and generously seeking the goodwill of others. I love how Puritan uh, Matthew Henry describes kindness. In a personal way, he says, her heart is large and her hand is open. She is ready to show favors and do good. She seeks to be useful and not only seizes opportunities of doing good, but searches for them. I think that last point is especially important. Kindness is not passive, but it's active. It, it doesn't wait for new opportunities to show kindness, but rather it seeks them out. It's a dynamic graciousness. It's an intentional generosity. It's an active goodwill. And not surprisingly, there are many biblical examples of this very thing. We see the the angels in Genesis 19, 19, who it says showed Lot a great kindness by saving his life, appearing as men and pleading with him and his family to flee from the judgment that was going to fall on Sodom. Or we see King David in 2 Samuel 9, who showed kindness, it says, to Jonathan's son, Mephibosheth restoring to him the land of Saul and inviting him to eat at his table, despite the the enmity that had been there between these families. We see it in the excellent wife of Proverbs 31, 10 to 31, who it says graciously looks after her whole family, opens her hands to the poor, and always has the teaching of kindness on her tongue. We see this in the apostle Peter in Acts 10.33, where it says that he was kind to come to Cornelius and minister the gospel to the Gentiles, despite the risk to his reputation as a Jew. And finally, we see it in the Malta natives in Acts 28.2, who it says showed an unusual kindness to the Apostle Paul and the other prisoners who had been shipwrecked there. These are just a few biblical examples of kindness. And I'm sure we could add to them many personal experiences where we have received kindness. And also many historic examples. A favorite of mine is the reason that Beethoven composed his Moonlight Sonata, one of his most famous pieces. I'm sure most of you have heard it before. That da 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 you know you've heard that before. Well, he composed this masterpiece, apparently so that a blind girl could sense the beauty of a moonlit night, to make it possible for her to hear in that song what she could never see with her eyes. Isn't that great? That's kindness. And, and just hearing that, you know, makes me excited about all of the possible ways that we could show kindness to others, creative ways like that, to show goodwill to our families and friends and coworkers, and classmates and neighbors, and especially to one another. Which takes us next to the, the community of kindness that we see again here in this short verse. Notice the Ephesian Christians, it says, are first and foremost to be kind to who? To one another. In other words, they are to be gracious and generously seek the goodwill of others, particularly in the church. That's where kindness must begin with our fellow believers. And that only makes sense when we remember all that Paul has said about the church in this letter so far. In chapter 1, 22 to 23, Paul says we are the body of Christ. And different body parts, well, they naturally would help each other. We're also fellow citizens with the saints, chapter 2, 19. And, and good citizens also, they, they look after their neighbors in kindness. We're the household of God, chapter 2, 19. And, and families always take care of each other first, showing kindness. We're a holy temple in the Lord, chapter 221. And, and where God is present, everyone matters. And everyone's well-being is looked after. We're fellow heirs of the gospel, chapter 3, 6. And where there is an abundance, none go without. And finally, in chapter 425, it says, we are members one of another. And where people are united like that, spiritually connected at the deepest level, how could we not be kind to one another. Commenting on the spiritual reality, Lehman Strauss makes this observation. Kindness should characterize believers in their relationships with one another. Kindness is that gentle, gracious, easy to be entreated manner that permits others to be at ease in our presence. The word kind in English comes from such words as kin and kindred, so that to deal kindly with others is to deal with them as our own kin. And after all, believers are brethren. And yet, let's be honest, it is often here in the family of God where we struggle with kindness, where we often fail each other in this way. In fact, the sad truth is that some of us have experienced maybe the greatest unkindness in a church from other fellow Christians. I'll be honest, I certainly have. In 17 years of pastoral ministry in three different churches, I would say that while it's been fellow church members who have shown me and my family the greatest kindness, there also have been a few fellow Christians within the church who have shown me sometimes the greatest unkindness. And it's heartbreaking to think how that can happen, how unfriendly and unpleasant, how uncaring and critical, how rude and harsh and mean we could be to each other in the family of God. But you know, as I was thinking about it this week, how far more heartbreaking it is to recognize that I no doubt have been a part of that, that I no doubt have not shown kindness, that I have failed badly, that I've treated fellow Christians unkindly, especially when I'm stressed or when I'm easily annoyed or I'm having difficulty getting along with people. And I'm sure we can all relate. Being kind to one another in the church is not always easy, but it's not impossible either. And that takes us, fifthly, to the the capability of kindness. You know, as we consider this command to be kind, it's important to consider the context and specifically how what we are called to do throughout the book of Ephesians is always established and enabled by who we are in Christ, our new identity in him. You remember when we worked through this book a few years ago, the first three chapters tell us as believers uh, all the spiritual blessings that are ours in Christ. And only then, in the last three chapters, are we told then how to behave as Christians. And that that order is critical. Who we are in Christ determines what we do as Christians, including this command to be kind to one another. Which, notice, comes just shortly after verse 24, where Paul told the Ephesian believers and believers everywhere to put on the new self. Created after the likeness of God in true righteousness and holiness. This is really the key to the whole Christian life, including this command to be kind. Every day we are faced with countless situations where we could be kind or we could be unkind, where we could walk according to this world or we could walk according to the word. But now as Christians with that new identity being in Christ, connected to him by faith, we can now say in faith in those moments of decision, I am a new creation in Christ. That's my true identity. And so I am going to now let that show. I am gonna be a kind person because that is the kind of person I now am in Christ. And yes, I might be tempted right now to be bitter or angry or rude, but, but that's not me anymore. I don't have to live like that. I am now considered righteous and holy in Christ. The power of the flesh has been broken in Christ. I don't have to do what it says. I can be kind. I will be kind because of my identity in Christ. Church, that's what makes those connected to Christ truly capable of being kind. It's our new spiritual position in Christ. And yet there's more. We also have a new spiritual power. Something the Apostle Paul would remind the Ephesian Christians of later in chapter 5, verse 18, when he instructs them and us today to be filled with the Spirit, to be controlled by the Spirit every day, to yield to His power and His leading. Just as Paul told the Galatian Christians in Galatians 5, 16 to 24, to walk by the Spirit so that they could grow and likewise we can grow in the fruit of the Spirit, in love, joy, peace, patience. Isn't it wonderful that, that God never requires anything of us as believers in Christ without giving us the necessary spiritual resources to do it? The position and the power to be kind to one another. No matter how difficult it may be to show kindness to certain individuals, especially those who are maybe relentlessly unkind to us, or no matter how how trying our circumstances may be, and the stress and the struggles that often make it easy for us to be aggravated and and angry and antagonistic. As Christians, we are always capable of being kind to one another. Even when it feels like we can't be kind, we can be kind in Christ. Who we must finally acknowledge is the creator of Christ kindness. Kindness only exists because the one behind all of existence is kind himself. He's not only, he not only enables us to be kind, but he exemplifies kindness perfectly. Christ does in his sinless life and ultimately in his saving death and resurrection. This word kindness is used in one other place in Ephesians, and it's chapter 2, verse 7. And I'll read from verse 4. Here we see the creator of kindness, the source of kindness. Verse 4, but God being rich in mercy because of his great love with which he loved us, even when we were dead in our trespasses, made us alive together with Christ. By grace you've been saved and raised us up with him and seated us with him in the heavenly places in Christ Jesus, so that in the coming ages he might show the immeasurable riches of his grace in kindness towards us in Christ Jesus. Don't you just love that thought of God's grace and kindness, that it is immeasurable, that it is, it is rich? You know, it's not small, but it's surpassing It's not inconspicuous, but it's incomparable in Christ. In fact, it's so immense, his kindness, that though we as sinners, Paul says, deserve nothing but death, God has brought us back to life in Christ for our good and for his glory, as Paul says, so that in the coming ages he might show his kindness towards us. In Christ. Just consider that, that statement for a moment. One of the reasons God saved us, one of the reasons he sent Christ to die for us so we might live, just as we remembered in the celebration of the Lord's Supper, one of the reasons was to showcase his kindness toward us. He's like saying, this is the degree of of my kindness. This is how gracious and generous and good I am. Just look to the cross. Just look at what it cost me to purchase your redemption. Just look at how Christ gave up everything so that you could have every spiritual blessing in him. It's what we heard earlier in Titus 3, 4 to 6 where Paul writes, but when the goodness and loving kindness of God our Savior appeared, he saved us. Not because of works done by us in righteousness, but according to his own mercy, by the washing of regeneration and renewal of the Holy Spirit, can He poured out on us richly through Jesus Christ our Savior. It's divine kindness revealed, not just through propositions, but in person, in Jesus Christ, the Savior of the world which demands a response from us. Verse eight, for by grace you've been saved through faith. And this is not your own doing, it is the gift of God. Listen, the the immeasurable kindness of God towards sinners like you and I in Christ, it must not only be appreciated and, and applauded, it must be acknowledged and accepted by faith. And so in light of all that we've seen here, of the great kindness of God in Christ Jesus for us, I must ask, have you put your faith in the one who created kindness and who is kind beyond all measure? Have you received the new life of Christ that he offers to all who rely on his gracious death? Such a great act of kindness. And if you have... Are you now following his example of kindness as one of his disciples? I think everything that we've learned this morning about kindness ultimately comes down to this. God is kind. And as his people, we are called to likewise be kind through Christ our Savior and in the power of the Holy Spirit whom he's given to us. Right after giving this command to be kind in verse 32, Paul tells his readers in chapter 5, verse 1, be imitators of God. An incredible statement, which I finally want to leave us with this morning. Understanding, I hope now more, dearly, uh, more deeply, what kindness is, and more importantly, where kindness comes from from the one who is immeasurably kind toward us in Christ. Let us now endeavor to be kind to one another, following the kind Savior more faithfully and fully. If God has been exceedingly kind to us, certainly we can be equally kind to one another, imitating him daily at home, at work, at school, in the neighborhood, in church, looking for opportunities, big or small, to showcase his grace, his generosity, his goodwill, his kindness, which is so very contagious. Thankful for how they cared for our family, we brought some flowers and chocolates to those at the dealership in North Battleford just to say thank you. It was obviously just a very small act of kindness towards those who had shown us so much kindness, but it was very significant for us because whether they knew it or not, we simply wanted to imitate the kindness of God who had shown us that day such kindness. We didn't deserve it. He didn't need to do that. But through these people showed us so much kindness and we just wanted to respond in showing a little bit of kindness in return. Have you found that before, how how kindness is contagious? Whether it's God showing us his kindness through individuals or just their kindness towards us. What a joy it is then to show kindness in return. So let's pray now that the Lord would open our eyes and, and show us the opportunities he's giving us each day to imitate him, to show the same kindness we've received in Christ. So that kindness would be contagious and would spread and God would be glorified through it. Let's pray. Lord God, we are in awe of your kindness towards us in Christ Jesus. The kindness displayed in the gospel. The kindness displayed in the cross. In your body given for us, in your blood shed for us. We didn't deserve it but you've shown us this grace, this generosity, this goodwill out of your kind heart, and we are so thankful. And then we think of the countless ways every day you show kindness to us through others. We are truly grateful, and we pray that you would now, by your Spirit, enable us to respond by showing the same kindness to each other in the church and beyond to all those whom we meet as a way of imitating your kindness, God, but also showcasing it to the world. And we pray this in the name of Jesus Christ, our kind Savior. Amen.